Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Ain't we glad to be here? Y'all ain't sleep, are you? I'm going to wake you up. Sorry, I didn't mean to yell that loud. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13 is where we'll be looking at this morning. The story goes like this. Years ago, a farmer owned land across the Atlantic seacoast. He constantly advertised for hired hands. Most people were reluctant to work on farms across along the Atlantic. Uh, they dreaded the awful storms that raged across it, wreaking havoc on buildings and crops. As a farmer interviewed applicants for the job, he received a steady stream of, refu- of refusals. Finally, a short, thin man, well past middle age, approached the farmer. Are you a good farmhand? The farmer asked him. Well, I can't sleep. Well, I can sleep when the wind blows, answered the little man. Although puzzled by this answer, the farmer, desperate for help, hired him. The little man worked well around the farm, busy from dawn to dusk, and the farmer felt satisfied with the man's work. Then one night, the wind howled loudly in from offshore. Jumping out of the bed, the farmer grabbed a lantern and rushed next door to the hired hand's sleeping quarters. He shook the little man and yelled, Get up! A storm is coming. Tie things down before they blow away. The little man rolled over in bed and said firmly, No, sir. I told you I can sleep when the wind blows. Enraged by the response, the farmer was tempted to hire him on the, fire him on the spot. Instead, he hurried outside to prepare for the storm. To his amazement, he discovered that all of the haystacks had been covered and tied down. The cows were in the barn, the chickens were in the coops, and the doors were barred. The shutters were tightly secured, nothing could blow away everything was tied down. The farmer then understood what his hired hand meant, so he returned to his bed also to sleep while the wind blew. The point of this story is this, and I'd like for us to consider these thoughts this morning. When you are prepared mentally, physically, and most important, spiritually, you have nothing to fear. Amen? Nothing to fear. Let's read Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five uh, were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. 
but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to shut the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus tells us the kingdom of heaven is like, which is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, people who have put Christ on through obedience of the gospel in baptism. In Bible times, uh, this story, the, the story of the ten virgins, uh, these weddings were done in a different way. The Jewish marriages and feasts which uh, followed uh, this story were celebrated at night a lot of times. And the newly married couple went from the house of the bride after nightfall and was accompanied by attendants bearing torches, okay? Bearing torches to light the way to the bridegroom's house where the feast was prepared. These ten virgins, they were headed to this time when the uh, bride and the groom were going to go to this feast and all of this was coming. They weren't actually the bride and they weren't actually a part of the groom. They were coming to the party with their lamps burning. Jesus tells us that there were five wise virgins and there were five foolish. So we're talking about the church. We're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about us, brethren. Verse 5 tells us that while they were going, it says that the, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. While they were going to where they needed to wait for the, bride, for the groom, he was delayed. And because of that, they slept. Then at midnight... A cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all the virgins, they all arose and they all trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones asked the wise ones, Hey, let me get some of your oil. But the wise ones said, No. Lest there should not be enough for us and you but but you go and buy for yourselves. So they went. But when they, came, when they left, guess what? The, bride, the groom came. And so then as these virgins come back, they go to the groom's house and they knock on the door and they say, open for us. But the bridegroom said, I don't know you. And wouldn't let them in. Five wise and five foolish. What was the difference between the five? Kind of obvious. But before we look at that, what were their similarities? Here's three. They were all virgins. They were all going to see the bridegroom. And they all had lamps. Think about that. 
as we begin. Those who belong to the kingdom of Christ or Christ's body all bear the name Christian, right? And we all have a lamp, so to speak. Matthew 5.14 says, And you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And we all, and here's where I'd like to begin uh, your thoughts and your mind on thinking about this lesson as it applies to our lives. We all should be watching for Jesus. When was the last time you watched for Jesus? When was the last time you woke up and looked into the sky wondering when Jesus Christ would come back? It's been a long time for me. Well, I take that back. I did it this morning. Because I knew I was going to preach on this, right? I had a little bit of head start. I knew what I needed to do because I'm preaching on it, right? But really, watching and longing for the day of His return and being ready for Him. What's the difference between the foolish and the wise? Preparation. This morning I want to talk about preparation. Matthew 24, 36 says this, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. One day Jesus is coming back. Amen? Are we not looking forward to the time in Ephesians 1.14 it says that the body of Christ is going to be received and is going to be delivered to the Father. The purchased possession. The beauty of this parable is for us to be thinking about the preparations we make while we are waiting for Jesus to come. Verse 13, it says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Listen to that. You neither know the day nor the hour. And here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to just think about this for a minute. If, if we really believe in Jesus and we really believe in what He's done for us, then guess what? He really is coming back. He really is coming back. I want us to put that reality in the very front of our mind. Consider these three points. When we are watching for the return of Jesus, it helps us prepare mentally. Mentally. As Christians, we have something that people outside of the body do not have. I'm really excited about this point, really. This is the setup for you. You want to be successful, brethren, as Christians? Put Jesus Christ coming back number one on your list. Hey, Jesus Christ could come back right now. So what am I doing? Is it the right thing or the wrong thing? Hey, Jesus Christ is coming back. Maybe today I need to make sure what I'm doing is the right thing. Right? We have something that people outside of the body of Christ don't have. We have received the grace of God 
Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. I'm sorry, 2 Peter, sorry. <laughs> Therefore, brethren, be even, verse 10, 1 Peter, verse, 1 Peter 1, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Before that, it gives us a list of things that we need to be doing in order to be successful in our Christian life. When we think about Jesus Christ coming back and we think about Him maybe being here today, it should set the tone for how we act. It should set the tone for the way that we behave. It should set the tone mentally in our mind what we do is going to be for His glory. Amen? Mentally. Because if it doesn't start mentally, then we can't go any further. It mentally has to be in our minds that what we're going to do is be looking for the kingdom of God and heaven to be our home. We receive hope. Hope is something that if we continue to keep in our minds, it makes us focus on the right thing, doesn't it? 1 John 3 says this, 1 John 3 verses 2 through 3, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. I have hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. I have hope that I've been saved by His blood. I have hope that one day he's going to come back and he's going to come get me. And you know what I say? Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Amen? Do we not want Jesus Christ to come back? Is that not the most important thing in our lives? I'm sad to say this, but if Jesus Christ not coming back is not the most important thing in your life, you may need to do some evaluating, some reevaluating in your life. And see what that number one goal is. And see what that number one thing that you're striving for is. By mentally being prepared for the coming of the Savior, we make the hope we have within us purify us. And it keeps us mentally clean. And it helps us in the physical part. It all starts mentally. Which leads me to my second point. When we are watching for the return of Jesus, it helps us prepare physically. We see in the parable that the virgins knew the bridegroom was coming. They didn't know exactly when. And they thought in their mind that 
that they should bring some extra oil. Now, why would they think that? Just in case something happened, right? You know, when you plan to go on a trip, don't you, uh, parents, when you plan and pack your kids' clothes, don't you pack an extra uh, outfit or some extra socks or, or whatever and make sure that if an accident happens, you got an extra pair to change into, right? You make preparations for the trip. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So I've mentally got in my mind, I've fixed my mind on this hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen? And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to show it. I'm going to show I'm excited about it. I love Romans 13, 11 through 14. And if you don't have this highlighted in your Bible, highlight it. It is a great area of Scripture. It says, And do this knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. When we constantly remember that our salvation is growing one day closer. And it could be at any moment. It should make us prepare for battle. It should make it something that is so fresh in our mind. That's how we purify ourselves. Fresh water is purified, right? Some old nasty river water you ain't trying to drink with some mud and sand in it, right? You want it purified where it's clear, where you can drink it. When we have a clear mind and a clear conscience of knowing Jesus Christ could come back at any moment, it makes us do the right things. Naturally. Here's an example. I got two front tires, alright? I got two front tires that are slick, very slick. Now, Aaron has told me on several occasions to go down to the tire place and get two new tires put on. I also have a brother that I love a whole bunch, Mark Triplett, who saw my car out in the parking lot and nicely told me, dude, your tires need to be changed. They're looking rough. Mentally, I know they need to be changed. But guess what? They ain't changed yet. They're still on my car right now. Why? Because reality hasn't hit. Huh? The reality is this. One day, if I don't get them changed, what's going to happen? My tire's going to blow out. If not one, both of them. And not only that, I may cause a wreck. 
I may have everybody with me and cause a wreck and something may happen. I mentally know it. I mentally know what I need to do, but guess what? I haven't applied it to my life. If we mentally know that Jesus Christ is coming back, we don't know exactly when, but we know He is, then we physically should act upon it. Amen? What a beautiful illustration. I'm sad that I have to be the victim of that. Monday I'm getting them fixed. Mark, Aaron, I got y'all. I got the message. I should have prepared myself. Preparation, y'all. This lesson, it really has challenged me. You know, think about the virgins who were foolish. They had their lamp just like the wise. They had it. They knew it needed oil to burn. They had some in it. But instead of preparing and making the preparations to be successful, well, maybe he'll take a while. I'm sure that they uh, had known about uh, that in the tradition of it, it may take a while for the groom to come. I don't know. Anyway, regardless of the fact, they knew that their lamp needed oil. And it may be a while before anybody comes. And just in case, I'll have some to be prepared. But guess what? They waited till it was too late. And the bride and the groom came. I keep saying bride because it's the bridegroom. Sorry about that. The wise weren't going to give them uh, any of their oil and cost uh, their lamp to go out, right? Just like I can't give you my salvation. As much as I may want to give you my salvation, as much as I may want you to be saved, guess what? I can't give it to you. It's all on you. It's all on me. Whether I want to go to heaven, whether I want, whether it's even a big deal to me or not, it's on me. Because guess what? Here's the reality. Christ is coming back. Maranatha, brethren. Huh? Maranatha. Am I prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ? You want to know uh, what words describe someone who is watching for the Lord to come back and is mentally and physically prepared for it? Faithful and wise. Matthew 24, 45-46 Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, guess what, will find so doing. When our tire blows out, or our oil runs out, or when Jesus comes back, guess what, I can't be mad at anybody else except myself. How frustrating it will be if I'm on the road in Nashville on the interstate and my tire blows out. Let me amp that up a little bit. If you're living your life in such a way that's contrary to God's word and Jesus Christ comes back, what's that mean? 
Hey, this is real talk. When Jesus comes back, it should be important to us. It should be so important to us that we understand that there are lost souls in the community that need to hear the truth. When Jesus coming back is that important to us, we're going to fix the mess in our lives. Because we know He could come back at any moment. When Jesus Christ coming back is that important to us, we stop and have, boy, this point right here. Hang on to this one. We stop making excuses and we start mentally and physically living like it might be the last time we're on earth. Which brings me to my final point. When we are watching for the return of Jesus, it helps us prepare spiritually. When we are mentally and physically prepared for the Lord's return, it helps us spiritually because we have lived and made it our aim to do His will. I'm comfortable. I don't have to be worried about anything, right? I don't have to be worried about uh, the things that I've done because what I'm doing is God's will and therefore I have prepared spiritually. Mentally, I know it. Physically, I'm doing it. And spiritually, I know that I'm going to be successful. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord Therefore comfort one another with these words. Jesus Christ is coming back. And if you're sick of hearing that, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to quit saying it. Will we be wise or foolish? Will we parents raise our kids in the way they should live knowing that Jesus could come back at any moment? Do we really believe that? How sad it will be when we stand in front of judgment and we haven't made the preparations. How embarrassing it will be. I thought I had time. I thought I had time to change them tires. I'll do it next week. The five didn't prepare for the time and had to wait. And they went. They weren't prepared. They came back and it was too late. And verse 12 says, But he answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, I do not know you. Are we preparing and sowing the seed and making sure what we do from day to day is according to God's will? Hey, and you may be here, brethren, and you may be doing it. 
You may be doing this. And I say, amen to you. Keep fighting the good fight. Continue to strive to do God's will. Keep growing spiritually. I want to close out with what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, and I preached on it, but I want you to just catch what he says. It just is so beautiful because his thought is right here with what I'm talking about. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 through 8, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. You want to talk about comfort? He said, there is laid up for me the crown. Because I mentally knew what, that Jesus was coming back. I mentally knew and prepared myself for the way that I acted and the things that I did on a day-to-day -day basis. But I want you to catch what he says at the very end. He says, and not to me only, but also to all who have, long, have loved his appearing. And not only me, but all those who loved his appearing. Are you ready for Jesus Christ to come back? Are you excited and waiting for that moment? Can you do as the man in the story at the beginning says, sleep when the wind blows because you're not ashamed of the things that you do, the things that you try to cover up? Are you ready for Jesus Christ to come back? Are you excited about that time? Brethren, I hope you are. I hope that you are excited too. Know that Jesus Christ is coming back. If you're here today and you are struggling in your uh, Christian walk, if you have uh, mentally been thinking about it but not physically acting upon it and you've fallen away from the grace of God, you can come back, you can repent, you can ask for forgiveness, you can ask for the prayers of the saints, you can make it right today. But maybe you're here and you aren't a part of the family of God. You can be by obedience to the gospel. Believing in who Jesus was, believing what he did, that he came, that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. And you can do it by repenting, knowing that you're living a life contrary to God's word, and confessing before men that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and being baptized in water for the remission of your sins. We're talking about the forgiveness of your sins, and you become a child of God. If you need to do that, you can do it right now. Together we stand and sing.